0: Thanks for joining us for the special edition of Take 2. Joining me today is Nick Mitchell running for Congress in Utah's 2nd District. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, we're in the exciting part where Labor Day is over. It's full steam ahead to the election right now. So thanks so much for being with us. Oh, it's my honor. So is running for Congress right now your full-time job or are you balancing this with work as well?
1: Uh, right now it's my full-time job. I have a little tattooing company that, you know, I put on the side. And uh, after, you know, what happens, happens, I can continue to work on that and really, really grow it is the plan.
0: Before we dig into the issues, fun fact about you, anything people should know.
1: Fun fact about me is that I speak Tagalog.
0: And where did you learn this skill? Is it family or? Uh,
1: I went on an LDS mission to the Philippines where where I was told I was the first black person to actually serve there. Awesome. Yeah.
0: And you're still fluent.
1: Still fluent. Still got it. I can also speak. I used to be able to speak a couple other dialects as well. But those ones are kind of hard for me now. But Tagalog, I still got.
0: Awesome. They say uh, science says that it's great for your brain. Yeah. (laughs) Keeps it elastic and learning. I want to talk about some of the issues uh, that are interest, uh, highest interest to voters. Also what's happening in the news right now. I think one of the biggest things people have been talking about is the economy. They're talking about inflation and how it's uh really hitting everyone it doesn't matter how much money you make but right now when you go to the grocery store when you go to the gas pump it's costing families a lot more than it did a year ago and two years ago if you were elected to congress is there something that congress can do to help families to help fix the problem or is this something that's out of their hands
1: you know uh, when it comes to the economy and, and inflation I'm a scientist, and so I like to look at the entire picture. And the entire picture is is how we measure inflation, and that's by personal consumption and expenditures, or PCE. And that's mostly measured by private industries, and the the big contributors are housing, transportation, and food prices. And so Congress did present a bill. That was the price gouging bill, and um, you know, Chris Stewart voted no against it, and that actually would have helped drive down the cost of transportation or gas, and therefore would have dropped the price of food because it wouldn't have cost as much to transport the food. And so, you know, Utah had a big boom in housing as well, and so that, that's, keeping, that's keeping inflation relatively high.
0: Well, one thing uh, when we talk to anyone who's running for Congress right now, they look at a lot of the votes and a lot of our Utah congressional leaders vote no in a lot of the bills that come through. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes there is one little issue that's important to people, uh, whether it was um, the recent 9-11 bill to help people um, post 9-11 or the burn pits in the military, you name it. A lot of these bills... uh, our congressional leaders will vote no on, Mm -hmm. but they're wrapped up in a whole lot more spending where it's not just one issue. If you were in Congress, is there anything that one elected leader can do to change that? Because right now there's massive spending bills where it's tough for anyone to read the full bill, let alone understand what it does, where we could get back to just one bill, one vote instead of, just so much that no one really understands yeah. what they're even passing, adding to the deficit and then adding to the inflation.
1: You know, I actually take the time to read each bill and I get confused myself. And, and something that I wanna focus on when I become a congressperson is really those single issue bills. So people know what they're getting. They're, you know, they're not these 90 page documents, they're two to three and anyone can read them so they know what their congressperson is is voting for or against, and I think that's really important that the people know what, they're, what what's going on in the country.
0: So how do you go about doing that? Because the system is right now that that's how it works. It's yeah. just pork barrel, it's a giant barrel of spending. No one really knows what they're voting on, and then it gets passed and then they read through and figure out you know, what it really does in the end. So how do you fix this as one congressperson?
1: You know, it's about changing the culture. And that, and it's gonna take, it's not gonna, I just can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. It's gonna take me talking to each and every Congressperson, person be and saying, hey, you know, we need to just make these single issue bills. And so the people understand what's going on because that's who we're, we're hired by is the people. And they need to understand what we are doing. Cause right now, most people don't understand what's going on in Washington. They don't care to know. All they know is that there's this extreme partisan divide and nothing is getting done and I really wanna fix that.
0: Speaking of partisan divides, the immigration problem, if Mm -hmm. you have a Republican for president, Democrats go on the border and yell and scream and say, look how bad this is, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Right now, we've surpassed uh, the highest number of apprehensions we've ever had on our southern border, past 2.1 million for the fiscal year. We still have a month to go. Uh, If you ask Kamala Harris, uh, the vice president, or you ask the president right now, it's not a crisis. But if we want to step back from politics, there is a human crisis happening on our borders. What do we do to fix this? Do we go back to what President Trump was doing? Do you build the wall? Do you keep them on the Mexico side? Or do you do what President Biden's doing and let everyone through and then hope it works its way through the system? It doesn't seem like anything's been working.
1: Yeah, I mean, I believe there's there's a nice medium we can get to. Where, you know, I don't believe you know in building a wall, but I also believe we need to keep our borders secure and not let just anyone flow through. And immigration's actually a very personal subject for me. My, my best friend through high school uh, came here underneath political asylum mm-hmm. from Honduras. His dad was a politician there. Unfortunately, he was murdered and he couldn't go back to visit his own, to, to go to his dad's funeral. And so when it comes to immigration, it's a, it's a very sensitive subject for me, as it is most people. But we really, there, there's always this nice medium we can get to where everyone's happy, people can come in, get those jobs. Because right now we have the lowest unemployment rate that we have ever had in Utah and across the country, which is great, but p- people need workers. And I, I can think of you know, a lot of places mm-hmm. where people want to come in and work and work for that American dream.
0: So how do we do that legally? I know a yeah. lot of people have been upset uh, that Governor Abbott or DeSantis have been shipping people, whether it's by bus or by plane to other cities, to mm-hmm. say, hey, look, this is what the problem is. And whether you think that's wrong or white right, what they're doing, it is getting a conversation going right now that this is a problem the whole country needs to talk about. And it used to be in every presidential election yeah. that everyone was running, said it's a problem, let's fix it. In the last presidential election, that kind of changed where that wasn't really part of the conversation for Democrats. Do you think it is a problem? And if so, what do you do to fix it? Because this is something you've had time to think about. You've had a friend, you know, here. Are there ways that Republicans and Democrats can come together on an issue I think that most agree is a problem Mm -hmm. and then fix it?
1: Yeah, I think there is a solution. And I don't, I, I believe that, you know, a lot of this, a lot of this issue is based around theatrics. You know, like what Rob, Governor Ron DeSantis is doing, what Greg Abbott is doing, how you mentioned earlier, you know, when it's a, a Democrat in the presidential mm-hmm. office, it's Republicans yelling about the border. When it's a, uh, a Republican in, or a Republican in office, it's Democrats yelling about the border. And I think the issue, it comes down to one thing, really, and that's skilled visas versus unskilled visas. And I think we need to re-examine what we view as skilled and unskilled.
0: And so how would you break that down?
1: So for me, um, you know, well, the way that they break it down right now is it, it's anything, a skilled labor, it's anything that takes two years of apprenticeship or training to get done, or you have a degree, right? And then unskilled is basically anything under two years. That doesn't take, or you don't have a degree, and so I mean, most people, if you most politicians, if you go go ask them to fix a car, they're not going to be able to do it. Luckily, you know, I do my, I have a motorcycle, Mm -hmm. I do my own mechanics on my motorcycle, I work on my car, Uh, I can do that. You know, I do. You go ask them to build you something, they probably couldn't do it. I could do it. I understand these things. I've worked with my hands. A lot of politicians haven't, and so I don't think it's fair for them to decide what is skilled versus what is unskilled.
0: So you would look at changing that definition. Yes, I would. Let's talk about some of that education right now because Mm -hmm. President Biden uh, just made a first of its kind um, executive order that would wipe out or um, I guess Move the debt right now from college students for some $10,000 dollars, for some up to $20,000. Mm-hmm. The income cap is 125,000 if you're an individual and 250,000 for those couples that are filing jointly. Is this a fair way to move forward with the problem we have in higher education, or is this unfair?
1: Um, you know, I'll be the first to say I'm running as a Democrat, and I always don't agree with what they're doing. Uh, I have student debt. I, I, won't, I won't be shy about admitting that. Um, but I think you know, it was, a, it was a step forward, but it's not addressing the real root cause of the issue, which I think is important to address if you really want to fix the issue. I think it's more of a Band-Aid answer and a, and a way to fulfill his, his campaign promise of canceling student debt. Um, do I, I wish he would have gone through Congress. Do I think it would have passed? No, I don't and um, you know that's an issue in, in and of itself but when it comes to canceling out you know the 10 or twenty thousand dollars worth of student debt um, it it's it's a start i i don't necessarily believe you know it will fix the issue and for the, those who complain like oh it's going to be passed on to the taxpayers and these these kids that are 19 20 however they old they are knew what they were signing up for because they're they were adults. And I don't hear the same group of people complaining about the PPP loans that were forgiven. These were also grown adults who made the same decisions to take out a loan and they had it forgiven.
0: Well, the PPP loans, I think are not exactly in apples to oranges because the government shut down their businesses, so those loans came after the government really shut down the economy, right? And it kept them afloat so they could keep uh, the lights on in their businesses and also pay mm-hmm. their employees. So slightly different, but definitely but, forgiveness of loans.
1: But it's still the, it's in the principle it's still the same thing. It's still a loan that they said that they would pay back even if it was at a very low rate. They still said they would pay it back. And that's where it comes down to is is that fact, is they just said, I need the loan. Whether or not the government was shut down, they needed the loan. To get ahead in the U.S., people know they need a college degree. And so it kind of falls underneath the same principle of, hey, okay, the government was shut down, I need to keep my business afloat. Okay, I want to get ahead in life, and I know that requires a college degree,
0: for some, although if we started having some go to technical colleges or training, like you said, with your hands. So that might be part of the problem. Uh, We're running out of time real quickly, though. If you had a way to fix uh, higher education, is there one thing in your mind that says this might help the problem as we head into the future? It's not an easy one. We have a lot of great minds that can solve this problem. Yeah.
1: And and like, like I like to say, I have solutions but I am, I am not perfect by any means, and I don't know everything. And one, one thing we should look at is the, the increase to the cost of the student for school. And I mean, since the 80s, it's gone up almost triple the amount, and the Pell Grants have stayed the same. And so the Pell Grants used to cover 80% of school, now they cover 30. And so I think, once again, if we look at institutions as a whole, that if we could somehow get the price lower, make it attainable Mm -hmm. for everybody to go to and have that chance to say, hey, I'm smart enough Mm -hmm. to get into school. I'm smart enough to get this degree. I just don't have the financial means to do it. And I don't wanna take out one of these predatory loans to get there. It would be a great step in the right direction.
0: Before we let you go, what's the biggest difference between you and Congressman Chris Stewart?
1: There, there's a lot, but I, I think the biggest difference between Representative Stewart and, and myself is that I, I really care about people, I really do. And
0: you don't feel like he cares about people? I, I,
1: I, I think he cares about his, his base, and that's about it. And I don't care what political affiliation you have, if, you're, if, you vote, if I'm voted into office, I will represent you to the best of my ability. I will bring solutions to make it so Utah has a way forward that we continue down the path we're on and make it so rural Utah has, has, you know, internet, has a, a modern infrastructure, has revitalized their economy. That's what I bring to the table. That's different than Stewart. I bring actual solutions and actual plans to help people because I care.
0: If people are listening to you right now and want to find more information, where do they go?
1: You can go to nickmitchellforcongress.com. And uh, you, my Twitter has a lot of stuff as well, and that's Nick for Congress, And my Facebook page is there as well. You can find me pretty much anywhere.
0: All right, Nick, thanks so much for coming Thank in and so being much. part of the conversation. Thanks for joining us Thank today. Thank you
1: so much. I appreciate it.